You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy and your host, Sosa Cremenges. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to your Thursday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning back in with me for the second last episode this week prior to the kickoff technically of the free agency period on Monday the 15th going into next week. So Things are about to really ramp up here any given day now, and this episode is going to be packed because we have a bunch of news to unpack together, some of which is related to the compensatory picks, which were handed out by the NFL yesterday. The salary cap, the official number has been laid out. Some of Les Snead's comments from his presser yesterday, and then we're going to finish it all off with our big board Thursday update, as well as one more prospect meeting by the Los Angeles Rams heading into the 2021 NFL Draft. But to begin, we are going to start with the first segment, and the salary cap has officially been set for every NFL team at $182.5 million, and as we know, that is quite a significant decrease from last year I believe the number was 198.5 million dollars so quite a significant step back and this was expected I think it actually turned out to be a little bit better than what teams were bracing for I'm pretty certain most teams were expecting the number to be closer to the cap floor which I believe was 175 million so the Rams did also bring over just under six million dollars in rolled over money from the last year's remaining cap space into the season, giving them a little bit more playing room. Obviously, some teams have a little bit more to roll over. Some teams had pretty much nothing to roll over. So that really just depended on how teams spent their money last season. And this does officially put the Rams at negative $33.2 million as of this recording. I'm pretty certain at any given moment over the course of the next few days, the Rams could restructure a bunch of guys, cut anybody, trade anybody. I'm bracing and prepared for anything to happen here because the Rams I'm sure are going to start making moves heading closer to this kickoff of the free agency period so the Rams were also rewarded three compensatory picks as we expected nothing surprising there the Rams did get two third round draft picks one of which was for the loss of Dante Fowler Jr. last season who joined the Atlanta Falcons on a deal that was worth 15 million dollars per year A second third round pick for the loss of Brad Holmes, who is now the general manager with the Detroit Lions that just happened a few weeks ago, roughly about a month, month and a half ago now. Time flies. So good for Brad Holmes there. Obviously, the Rams are going to get a third for him this draft, as well as one more third next draft, but that is obviously in the future. And they did get that last fourth round compensatory pick for the loss of Corey Littleton, the inside linebacker who joined the Las Vegas Raiders last offseason as well. I'm going to give you guys a quick updated look at how many draft picks the Rams actually have going into this draft because I swear this team loves to just confuse everybody when it comes to draft picks. All they do is acquire comp picks, trade early round picks, and it just really gives you a headache to be quite honest. So their actual legitimate current coup of draft picks goes like this. The second round pick, 57th overall. A third round pick, 
for Brad Holmes, a third round pick for Dante Fowler, a fourth round pick for Corey Littleton, a sixth round pick, and then a seventh round pick as well. The Rams did also move their legitimate own third rounder, which was the 89th overall prior to all the compensatory picks being handed out to Detroit in the Matthew Stafford trade. So the Rams technically do have six draft picks going into this draft, which is one less than your typical draft haul, because normally you would have one draft pick in every round, equaling seven draft picks. So no first round pick, we know that. No fifth round pick as well, which is not the worst thing in the world, I guess. But they do have two third round picks, a second round pick still, Roughly three picks in the top 105 picks. So we know general manager Les Snead loves to collect as many top 100 picks as he says. That's a thing that the Rams always try to do. Snead has said it in the past is try to collect as many top 100 picks as we can because those top 100 players, I guess that's where they view the fall off in terms of skill and talent and potential development in prospects. And so That appears to be where the Rams have their cutoff, top 100 picks. Ultimately, they do have three in the top 105-ish, so not exactly the top 100, but close enough. The Rams look like they're going to have a decent haul going into the draft. You know, we can't really expect them to come away with a lot of day one starters, maybe partially because of the roster actually being very good and very talented and one which is ready to compete for a Super Bowl, which just means, you know, less mid-round picks, late-round picks are just going to walk onto your roster and start. That is typically not happening on teams that are after Super Bowls. But then in addition to that, the Rams also have a lot of good players. They're going to be able to afford their rookies to actually sit down at least at most positions, specifically on the offense, maybe some on the defense as well. The opportunity to just sit, learn, develop, not really be pressed into immediate playing time And that is always a good thing for rookies because you never really want to rely on them. And we've seen guys like Van Jefferson from last year didn't really get to play much as a rookie, but now going into his sophomore season, his second season in the NFL is probably going to be relied on to be quite a big, important piece of the offense. Someone who's technically going to be a starter because let's be honest, teams start three wide receivers in 2021. It's no longer a bunch of fullbacks, a bunch of tight ends. 11 personnel is your starting offense, and that technically makes a guy like Jefferson a starter for the Rams in 2021, and I am glad that we did get to talk about some of Les Snead as well as what his philosophy is as a trader, a drafter, a general manager, because he did have a press conference yesterday where he broke down a lot of interesting things heading into free agency as well as the draft, and we're going to dissect all of those comments going into the next segment after the break. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a company that is a family-owned business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That is correct, 20 years. If we know anything, we know that there is no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with the strange COVID-related stuff that we're going through. So make sure to try and support family-owned businesses like Rock Auto. And if you are a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should just check out rockauto.com. Just go to their website and check out all of their available parts. They pretty much have everything you can imagine. And if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you the fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with bs 
I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight because I have lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. And one of the main ingredients that I did leverage over this period of time was the Built Bar. Built Bar makes some of the best protein bars on the market. The texture is unlike any other protein bar, snack, cookie, or dessert. And I promise you, there are so many flavors. You can never get bored. You can literally choose anything you can imagine. Built Bar makes them. And right now at their website, over at BuiltBar.com, they are having a fun March Madness style tournament, ranking the best Built Bars, putting flavors up against each other, having a new duel between two seeds every single day. So make sure to go to the website and vote on your favorite Built Bars. There are so many, and it's going to be fun to see which one wins because I think, depending on who you ask, there are probably like 10 to 15 different capable winners. That's how good their bars are. That's how tasty they are. That's how many variety of flavors they have. And they're all super healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber. And they even work for you if you are on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Betting on the Los Angeles Rams doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Thursday edition of the Locked on Rams podcast. I did mention in the first segment that this segment is going to be dedicated to breaking down general manager Les Snead's press conference that he had yesterday heading into free agency and a little bit of draft tidbits as well. This presser was a little bit unprecedented. That's kind of a fun play on words there. Compared to what Les Snead mostly does when he has press conferences, I feel like it's a lot of jargon, a lot of let's call it, it's a whole lot of non-information, but I felt like in this call, in this presser, he actually dropped some very interesting tidbits when it came to not necessarily the Rams' plans and who they're going to go after in free agency and things like that because, well, he can't delve into that information, obviously, otherwise teams are going to be able to bid the Rams up and whatnot, but just looking at you know, the upcoming free agent crop that the Rams have going into this market. We've talked about them ad nauseum, guys like John Johnson, Leonard Floyd, some of those players, as well as, you know, just in terms of what the Rams are going to have to do to get under this cap. Because in the first segment, we did mention that the Rams currently are just a tad over $33 million over the cap. So they're going to obviously need to do some maneuvering, some changing, whether that be restructures, trades, cuts, whatever the case may be. So Lesney did have a bunch of tidbits in this presser that we want to break down. And the very first thing that I found very interesting that he said was, as of right now, restructuring contracts is their number one priority. And quote, we're working on it right now. So it does sound like some moves are about to come pretty much at any given moment over the next few days. And this is important because he did also mention that, you know, restructuring is happening. That's something that they're working on currently and that they prefer to do this before cutting or trading anyone. So they do view the opportunity to cut players, trade players, whatever the case may be as the last resource to getting under that cap and giving themselves some space to either re-sign their own players or, you know, go out and find replacements in the market. So that is a very interesting topic because we did talk about some guys that could be cut by the Rams. Popular names were defensive tackle Michael Brockers, another defensive tackle in Ashawn Robinson, you know, certain guys like that where, and then obviously the most recent news in terms of 
wide receiver Robert Woods potentially getting dealt in terms of teams calling the Rams and actually asking about his availability. Now, it does sound like the Rams are going to try to keep their entire band together. And that makes sense because they are in a Super Bowl window. They are fighting to go back to another Super Bowl. They didn't trade for Matthew Stafford to win, you know, nine games or whatever. They traded for Matthew Stafford to go and fight for a ring in 2021. So logically speaking, you're going to try and build the most competitive and complete roster that you can. And the easiest way to do that and kind of sell out to go get a chance at a ring is by restructuring, pushing some of that money back into later years and keeping as many good and talented contributors on your roster as you can. So it does appear that the Rams want to do that. And that could ultimately spare certain players like Michael Brockers, like we mentioned, or a guy like Ashawn Robinson, or, you know, some people even think that Rob Havenstein was a candidate to be traded or cut or whatever the case may be. So another interesting tidbit that Snee did drop was that he said we might have to let go of some players that we typically wouldn't want to let go of in a normal year. And that makes sense. Again, it kind of ties in with the same first topic in terms of, you know, if the Rams, for whatever reason, can't make as much money as they think in terms of these restructures, or if for whatever reason, players don't want to restructure, or if they're looking to do a different kind of thing in terms of, you know, extending somebody like an Aaron Donald or a Matthew Stafford. And if for whatever reason, they can't come to a deal or a price that works for both sides, well, then, you know, they are willing to keep that card in their back pocket by getting rid of some guys. And I think some of the names that we mentioned a few seconds ago are the top candidates to be released. Guys like Brockers, Ashawn Robinson. That's where the Rams have the most depth when it comes to their roster. Those are the guys that save them a decent chunk of change and ultimately the names that make the most sense. So those are still guys to look out for in case the Rams can't make as much money as they want to. But again, it does seem that that is the last option when it comes to trying to free up as much money as they can over the course of the next few days. The last few things that were interesting was he said that they did go and they are going to their top players to ask for ways to make the money work. So again, kind of tying into the same theme of restructures, potential extensions, maybe even pay cuts. Guys like Brockers, for example, you know, he's not necessarily worth what he's getting paid right now. Not a bad player, but I don't know if he's a double digit million dollar player anymore. And, you know, he might want to just ultimately finish out his career with the Rams, stay next to Aaron Donald, his best friend, stay in California, where I'm sure his kids are settled in school, where it sounds like he bought a new house, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just give a little bit of money back and make it work. That could be another option. And lastly, Snead did talk about, you know, just trying not to get rid of any players. So I think the most logical moves incoming are some sort of restructures, maybe guys like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and then one of or both of Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. I think they're going to try to rework Michael Brockers' deal, maybe a legitimate pay cut in there, him actually giving some money back. And it does sound like John Johnson and Leonard Floyd are going to get better deals than the Rams can afford. I think Snead sort of hinted at that. And the last thing that he pretty much talked about was the compensatory pick formula, which again ties into that last point that I just said in terms of Floyd and Johnson getting better deals. The Rams know where they are in the salary cap situation. They know that they like to play the compensatory pick formula game. They know that John Johnson and Floyd are likely to get pretty good markets when they hit the open market, if they do on Monday. And if that is the case, that they're going to try to replace them with guys who aren't necessarily unrestricted free agents and could net the Rams a few more compensatory picks going into next year's draft like they typically do. And like we mentioned in the first segment, where the Rams were awarded three picks by losing two players, and one front office member. That's always a good way for the Rams to replenish 
the lack of draft picks that they have because they do trade for a lot of established veterans. In the final segment, we're going to go over some interesting names that I did break down some tape on over the course of the last week for our Big Board Thursday updated segment, as well as one player that did have another pre-draft meeting with the Los Angeles Rams. And make sure to keep checking back in with us because things are really about to ramp up going into next week. I promise you there is going to be a boatload of news surrounding the Los Angeles Rams and all of the teams inside the NFL. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just go ahead to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Thursdays on Locked On NFL are a must-listen as Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every Thursday. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. I am your host, Sosa Cremendous, and I appreciate you guys for sticking around for the final segment of this episode, and we are going to dive straight into which player actually visited, I guess not technically visited, but had a pre-draft Zoom meeting with the Los Angeles Rams, and that was UCLA's running back slash wide receiver, Demetric Felton. He was at the Senior Bowl, which again is a reoccurring theme when it comes to the Rams and their draft classes. Felton, like I mentioned, if you listened a second ago, I did mention that he was a running back and receiver. I don't really know that he has an established position going into the NFL necessarily, but he's a guy that did play wide receiver at UCLA, a guy that played running back, a guy that can do both, I think at a pretty high level. He can run routes out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot, run routes there. He can actually catch passes from the backfield. He can run the ball. And to top all of that off, he's also capable of returning the football as a return man. So it's no surprise why the Rams like him. He fits their mold in terms of the senior bowl, being a senior prospect, a guy that can catch out of the backfield, a guy that can run the ball out of the backfield. He can line up in the slot, run very good routes there. He can triple down as a return man. And then to top it all off, he did play at UCLA. So a guy that was you know used to that California light. And not only that, but he did go to the senior bowl And he performed very well at the Senior Bowl. He was very hard to guard there. More often than not, he was leaving guys in the dust. I thought he did a very good job at uncovering and showing off some of his route running capabilities there. So it does make sense why the Rams would be interested in a player like Felton. We're going to dive into the last bit of news here. And this is the big board Thursday update. I got to watch a bunch of players going over the course of this week. And it's unfortunate that I have a limited amount of time here to break them down. So I'm going to try to go through them as quick as possible and sort of just give you guys the overlook of what I thought of all these guys. To begin, I'm going to give you guys the list of the actual big board first, and then we're going to dive into the players that I got to watch. So number one, offensive tackle, Christian Derrissaw. Number two, center, Landon Dickerson. Number three, offensive tackle, Dylan Radins. Number four, offensive tackle, Jackson Carmen. Number five, offensive tackle slash guard, Jalen Mayfield. Number six, Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver. Number seven, linebacker, Jabril Cox. Number eight, edge rusher, Ronnie Perkins. Number nine, linebacker, Jameen Davis. Number 10, linebacker, Dylan Moses. Number 11, edge rusher, Rashad Weaver. 
Number 12, edge rusher Joseph Osai. And number 13, to finish it all off, offensive tackle Walker Little. And we can begin from the bottom up and work our way to the top prospect. So that does put us with Walker Little, the Stanford left tackle. He does not have much game tape. He has not really played since 2019. I think he opted out this past year, had a season-ending injury, I believe it was, in 2019. And then that really just gives us one year of tape from 2018. I thought he had some pretty good hands, and I liked his hand placement and his mirror ability, but his feet were very slow, and he was very slow to get out of his stance, and he really did not gain much depth in his pass sets, and he had terrible balance. This guy was on the floor way too often in the running game. Now, there is the Kevin Carberry connection there, the former Stanford offensive line coach, now the offensive line coach for the Rams, so that is a player to look out for, and I do like him somewhere, you know, late day three, I would say, but I don't really view him as anything more than a developmental project at this point in time. The next lowest player of the new guys that I've watched was Kentucky linebacker Jameen Davis. I thought he was a very good player. I actually like Davis. I would like to see the Rams target a player like Davis. You know, he's a very good spot dropper in zone coverage, a sideline to sideline player. He can flip his hips and run. He's good at scrape exchanges, which is good to see when you're working forward and actually trying to play the run. I think he has enough athleticism and versatility to actually be able to cover in zone match and kind of pass off zones and move a little bit more. He's got that long and athletic frame, fits the mold of linebackers today. You know, he more often than not does a good job just staying square and breaking down ball carriers, but there are some times where he can get a little bit sloppy in his form, a little bit too high with his tackles, and that can lead to some missed tackles. But I do like him at the end of the day. He's not going to eat blocks and stack and shed like your old school linebackers. A talented player, fits the mold of what linebackers look like today and ultimately I do think that he's going to be a good linebacker at the next level I just happen to have Jabril Cox a little bit above him in terms of the linebacker to linebacker comparison but again Davis a very good player in his own right the next player I got to watch from the down up was offensive tackle slash guard Jalen Mayfield and I swear Mayfield and Carmen were split by a hair like these guys could not have been closer I put Carmen ahead of Mayfield but I mean, it really depends on which day you ask me. I could flip-flop either way. When you look at Mayfield, he's a guy that played right tackle at Michigan. He has so much torque. He might have the best torque out of any offensive lineman in the class. Just straight raw power. The dude is strong as hell. You know, he can work on his anchor a little bit, and I do think he can struggle with speed a little bit. And sometimes, you know, when he doesn't get enough depth in his pass sets, he tends to abandon his technique and just sort of turn and run guys up the arc instead of just, you know, actually trusting his technique. So those are a little bit of the things I think he can work on. But, you know, at the end of the day, very powerful. I think he could be a guard convert at the next level. The dude is strong as hell in the running game. He's a people mover and he wins with raw strength and power. Still got to work on some of that positioning and, you know, a little bit of the balance and just things like that. And one of the bigger things that I would like to see him work on is just not overextending in pass pro. But when you look at the IQ, the raw power, a guy who knows how to pass off stunts, he's willing to look for work, the versatility of playing tackle and guard, I think Mayfield would be a home run pick for the Rams in the second round if he does ultimately last there. I wouldn't be shocked to see a guy of his potential go in the first round because I do believe he's only 20 years old or 21, a guy who's very young and still has a lot more maturing and development ahead of him. Now that we got Mayfield out of the way, that does leave us with the other player that I mentioned grabbing a spot just ahead of him, which was Jackson Carmen. 
I am very intrigued by Carmen. Like Mayfield, he is a younger prospect. I believe he's also only 21 years old, and he is out of Clemson. He did play left tackle for the Clemson Tigers. A great mover in space. He does such a good job locating targets in the open field. He's a menacing run blocker. He has some bad reps, and maybe the biggest worry for me is just some of the waist bending components to his pass protection. I think those are some of the ugly reps that he has, most of the ugly reps, actually. And it does cause me a little bit of worry, but you know, he's got very good feet for a guy who's huge, very active hands. He fights for positioning with his hands with defensive linemen, has a lot of jump sets at the tackle spot. So, a guy that you know, I would like to see a little bit more of in terms of some of the pro requirements from an offensive tackle he's going to need to change up some of his sets and things like that but again a guy who just has so much raw power great positioning great balance good run blocker I mean the guy is absolutely menacing in that regard and like Mayfield I do think he could be a star at guard but you got to try these guys out at tackle first tackle is the more valuable position they get paid more they have harder jobs technically and so that's why you want to try them at tackle first I think both guys could ultimately survive at tackle at the next level but if that doesn't work out for them or teams just simply don't view them as tackles they can certainly be kicked into the guard spot and I do think both guys would be very very good guards with ceilings capable of being all pro pro bowl caliber guards the last player I watched was Christian Derisaw. And now Derisaw, maybe I shouldn't have even watched him because it sounds like he's going to be a first-round pick for sure. But this dude has special qualities. I mean, he is a menacing run blocker, wins with strength, power, positioning, leverage, an absolutely amazing mover in space, so good at locating second-level targets and sealing them off, working good angles to find those guys, smooth as hell in pass pro, nice feet, Great hand usage. He does fight for positioning with his hands. I would like to see some more traditional pass pro sets from him, but that's not really his fault. That's just kind of the virtue of Virginia Tech's offense. And he was the left tackle there just for reference. Now, a dominant player. I think he has elite level upside. Good, strong anchor. Very powerful punch. And this sort of ties in with the wanting to see more different variations of pass pro sets, but I would like to see him gain a little bit more depth and have a little bit more explosiveness slash, you know, just be quicker in pass pro kind of getting out of his stance. But man, this guy's vice grip hands, dominant down blocker, washes guys down the line of scrimmage with ease. Such a tremendous player. When you watch a guy like Derisaw, he pretty much fits the bill as a potentially elite left tackle at the next level. And you can absolutely understand why teams are going to likely pick him in the first round so probably not a fit for the Rams because he's going to just get drafted way earlier than they have an opportunity to take someone like that but if for whatever reason he does find his way down the draft board I'm not really sure how or why that would happen the Rams would have to run that card in because Derisaw is just a special talent at the offensive tackle position that is all we got for you guys on this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, you guys know I appreciate you guys listening to the entire episode. And make sure to check back on Friday for our mailbag episode here at the Locked on Rams pod, as well as next week, because free agency technically does begin on Monday. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QBsMEP, and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. 